Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about Lyme disease, probably episode five. Now we've gone through it and I suppose there's been some uh, interesting things about this um, bacteria, uh, which is um, just sort of extraordinary. I, I love the um, idea of putting a antibody in the... Um, the dog, which kills the, uh, and when it sucks in the, the blood, it kills the uh, disease in the parasite. I sort of really like that as a, a way of going. I also like the idea of the eight foot high um, uh, tick fence that you put around your property in the United States. If you think the size of a tick and eight foot high, that's a bit high, but it keeps the deer out, and that's a pretty amazing thing. So I just have uh, found out that my, one of the uh, poor Aussies, which I was really concerned about, is living on 1.7 hectares or acres, as they have in the United States. Even that's even that's ridiculously large. You know, so that's a, that's just the size of a, the universe basically, and. Uh, so she'll have um, deer, unless unless they blow blow the stuffing out of them. Okay, what I'm doing the history, the evolutionary history of Borella burgdorferi genetics has been the subject of recent studies. One study found that prior to the reforestation that accompanied the post-colonial farm abandonment in New England, the wholesale migration to the Midwest that occurred during the early 19th century, Lyme disease was present for thousands of years in America and had spread along with its tick hosts uh, from northeastern to the Midwest. That's sort of like prior to such and such a date, a thousand years prior to it, so you could have a whole series of things which happened prior to that. John Jocelyn, who visited New England in 18, uh, 16. Uh, 38. So in 1592, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So this is, you know, not long. And from uh, 1663 to 1670, he wrote, "There be infinite numbers of tykes hanging upon the bushes in summer time that will leave cleave to a man's garments and creep into his breeches, eating themselves." In a short time, into the very flesh of man, I've seen the. The stockings of those that have gone through the woods covered with them. Oh, there. This also is confirmed by the writing of Peter Klam, a Swedish botanist who was sent to America by Elias, who found the forest abound with ticks when he visited in 1749. When Kalm's journey was retraced 100 years later, the forests were gone and the Lyme bacterium had probably become isolated to a few pockets along the northeastern coast of Wisconsin and Minnesota. So, but just, that's one way you can get rid of, rid of um, the ticks is just fell it. Perhaps the first detailed description of what is now known as Lyme disease appeared in the writing of John Walker after a visit to the island of Jura, Deer Island, oh god, off the west coast of Scotland in 1764. He gives a good description of both the symptoms of Lyme disease, with exquisite pain in the interior parts of the limbs, um, and the tick vector itself, which he describes as a worm which, um, uh, with a body which is of reddish colour and compressed shape, and a row of feet on each side that, 
penetrates the skin. Many people from this area of Great Britain immigrated to North America between 1717 and the end of the 18th century. So they took them with it. Oh, well. Examination preserved museum specimens that found borrelia DNA in infected aristotics from Germany that dates back to 1884. And from the infected mouse... <laughs> And from an infected mouse from Cape Cod that died in 1894. This is an infected mouse, so okay. I wonder if it's got white feet. The autopsy of the Orts Iceman in 1500 year old mummy revealed the presence of DNA sequence of borrowed bone, making it him the earliest known human with Lyme disease. That's if, if and I can say that's exactly what I said. If you were in those primeval forests, you'd be just like a, a deer or anything else. It's like pretty amazing, isn't it? So, uh, I I said, look, I wonder. I think I said, I wonder whether the Iceman's got it. There you go. Wow. The early European studies for what's now known as Lyme disease described its skin manifestations. The studies dates to 1883 in Brasil, Germany. Now, war, war, crawl. Claw, Poland, where physician Alfred Boschwald described a man who had suffered for 16 years from a degenerative skin disorder now known as Acrodermis chronica atrophanicans, whatever it is. In, oh, thank goodness, the best of it. I've described it. You can have it, and I'll describe it. In 1909, research conference, Swedish dermatologist Avid, Arvid Affelus presented a study about an expanding ring-like lesion he observed in an older woman following a bite from a sheep tick. He named the lesion uh, Ethroma Markrans, which is just pretty amazing, that's the name. The skin condition is now known as Borrelia lymphocytoma. It was first described in 1911 even though he presented as a conference. The modern history of medical understanding of disease, including the cause, diagnosis and treatment, has been difficult. Bloody hell, do you think you're going to make an easy thing? You mentioned that the fact is that ticks cannot decide what they're doing. Um, neurological problems following tick bites were recognised starting in the 1920s. French physicians, Grand and Boujardou, described a farmer with a painful sensory, a sensory radiculus accompanied by a mild meningitis following a tick bite. A large ring-shaped rash was also noted, although the doctors did not relate it to meningeordicultus. In 1930, a Swedish dermatologist, Sven Hellenstrom, was the first to uh, propose EM and neurological symptoms following a tick bite were related Let's see, 30, 20s, or 10 years. Okay, that's okay. In the 1940s, German neurologist Alfred Banthwath described a series of cases of chronic lymphatic meningitis, meningitis and polyradiculonutris, some of which were accompanied by the erythroid. Uh, Thermatos skin lesions. Okay. Karl Lenhoff, who worked at the Kalinska Institute in Sweden, 
believe many skin conditions were caused by spirochetes. These are the little wing ones, I suppose. In 1948, he used a special strain of microscopically uh, observed that he believed were spirochetes in various types of skin lesions, including EM. Although his conclusions were later shown to be erroneous, interest in the study of spirochetes was sparked. In 1949, Niels Tresen, who also worked at the Karolinska, uh, I think that's the, that's the Prince Institute, Princess, um, was the first to treat ACA with penicillin. In the 1950s, the relationship among tick bites, lymphocytoma, EM, and Barnsworth syndrome was recognised throughout Europe, leading to a widespread use of penicillin for treatment in Europe. In 1970, a dermatologist in Wisconsin named Rulf Rudolf uh, Scrimenti recognised an EM lesion in a person after recalling a paper from Hellstrom that had been reprinted in the American Science Journal in the 1950s. In 1950. This was the first documented case of EM in the United States. Based on European literature, he treated the person with penicillin. Well, good on ya. Should be able to finish this soon. The full syndrome, now known as Lyme disease, was not recognised until a cluster of cases originally thought to be juvenile rheumatoid arthritis was identified in three towns in southeastern Connecticut. In 1975, so yeah, it's catching, including towns of Lyme, Old Lyme, which gave its popular disease. So three times there was one town which missed out. Do you think it could have been New Lyme, New Lyme, Lyme, and Old Lyme? Uh, this was investigated by physicians David Sinman and Alan Steary of the Epidemic Intelligence Service and others from Yale University. You can imagine him you know, walking up in a black car with the sort of blue brothers hat. So, I'm the Epidemic Intelligence Service, including Stephen um, Malawista. Malawista. That's Bella Vista, Malawista. Who is credited as a co-discoverer of a disease. The recognition that people in the United States had EM led to recognition that Lyme arthritis was one manifestation of the same tick-borne condition known in Europe. Before 1976, the elements of B. burgdorferi sensulato infection were called or known as tick-borne meningofolinutrius. Garin Bajdu syndrome, Barnwith syndrome, Alpha's disease, Montuk knee or sheep tick fever. Since 1976, the disease is most often referred to as Lyme disease, Lyme borealis, or simply borealis. That's what my, the, um, my, my German friend has got. Okay. In 1980, Steary et al. began a test antibiotic regimen on adults with Lyme disease. In the same year, New York State Health Department epidemiologist George Benarch provided Willy Bergenhofer, Bergdorfer, it's a bit strange. It's the name is the same as the um, what? It's incredible. The name of the bacteria is Borrelius burgdorferi, and it's a person called Willing Bergdorfer, a researcher at Rockman and Biological Authorities and his colleagues, 
Oh, it's probably named after him. It's probably named after that researcher. Uh, with uh, collections of I. Scapalis from Shelter Island, New York, a known Lyme epidemic area as part of an ongoing investigation of the Rocky Mountain spotted fever. In examining the ticks, for Borg Borgdoffer noticed a poorly stained, rather long, irregularly coiled spirochute. So it's actually named after this researcher. Wow! That's why it's called Bergdorfer. Imagine him, thank goodness you couldn't call him Hill. You have to call it Bergdorfer. So that's why it's called Bor Borolis Bergdorfer, because it's Bergdorferi, because it's named after the thing. Further examination revealed spirochutes in 60% of ticks. Bergdorfer credited his familiarity with the European literature for his realization that spirochutes might be long sought cause of ECM Lyme disease. Brach supplied him with more ticks from the Shelter Island and Sarah from people who diagnosed with Lyme disease. The University of Texas Health Science Center researcher Alan Barbour uh, Bar offered his expertise to culture the immune chemically characterized the organism. Borgdorfer subsequently confirmed his discovery by isolating from people with Lyme disease spiroclets identical to those found in ticks. In the June 1982, he published his findings in Science, and the spirochet was named Borrelia burgdorferia in his honor. Oh, isn't that sweet? I'm going to discover a thing. Do you think, uh, I think there is thing you name things in your wife's honor. So, um, the person who discovered Sharon the moon of Pluto, it's the wife's name was Sharon. There you go. Isn't that cute? I uh, shouldn't mention that. Um, okay. After identification of Borgdorferi, a causative agent of Lyme disease, antibiotics were selected for testing, guarded by the in vitreo antibiotic sensitivities, including tetracycline antibiotics, amylexin, cefaloxamine, acetyl, intravenous and intermuscular penicillin, intravenous uh, citrophone. The mechanism for tick transmission was also subject to discussion. B. Bergdorferi spirochetes were identified in tick saliva in 1987, confirming that possibly the transmission occurred via the tick salivary glands. Well, it doesn't confirm it, it uh, doesn't refute it. it doesn't. Society and culture. Urbanization and other anthropogenic factors can be implicated in the spread of Lyme disease to humans. Many areas, expansion of suburban neighborhoods has led to the gradual deforestation of surrounding wooded areas and increased border contact between humans and tick disease areas. Human expansion has also resulted in the reduction of predators that hunt deer as well as mice, chipmunks and other small rodents, the primary reservoirs of Lyme disease. So there you go, you shoot a wolf, <laughs> just asking for Lyme disease. Okay, as a consequence of increased human contact, with host and vector, the likelihood of transmission of the disease has greatly increased. Researchers are investigating possible links between global warming and spread of the vector-borne disease, including Lyme disease. Dun -dun -dun -dun. Controversy. This, well, there's a few surprises in this. Controversy. This is it. So, do not mention this at a barbecue, unless you've had some boxing training and stuff like that. Or peace, peace thing, or you've got some water cannon there, or you can distract someone. 
The term chronic Lyme disease is controversial and not recognised in medical literature. And most medical authorities advise against a long-term antibiotic treatment for Lyme disease. Studies have shown that most people diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease either have no objective evidence of previous or current infection with B. burgdorferi or are people who don't deserve anything, people who should be classified as having post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, which is defined as continuing or relapsing non-specific symptoms such as fatigue, musculoskeletal pain, including complaints in people previously treated with Lyme disease. Legislation. So it's controversy and now we're going to legislate. So you can imagine the United States, Donald Trump saying in July 2019, the House of Representatives ordered an investigation into whether the Pentagon had released weaponized ticks infected with Lyme disease into the environment between 1950 and 1975. Scientists identified this investigation as based on a conspiracy theory and claimed that any investigation was unnecessary and a poor use of funds. So they're obviously part of the conspiracy. You bloody scientists. If, if some, if the President of the United States in 20, July 2019 is concerned about weaponized, weaponized ticks, oh, other animals, prevention of Lyme disease is an important step in keeping dogs safe in endemic areas. Prevention, education, and a number of preventative measures are available. First, for dog owners to live near, um, who live near or often frequent tick-infested areas, routine vaccination of the dogs is an important step. Another crucial preventive measure is the use of persistent uh, acaricides, such as topical, tropical repellents or pesticides that contain as Pentadines, Amtazaz, and Phenylpyrazoles, or Promethans, Pyrethroids. These uh, acronyms target the primary adult stages of the Lyme carrying ticks and reduce the number of reproductive activity of ticks in the environment. Formulations of these ingredients are available in a variety of tropical forms, including spot on sprays, powders, impregnated collars, solutions, and shampoo. Examination of dogs for ticks after being in tick-infested area is an important precautionary measure to take prevention of Lyme disease. Key spots to examine include the head, the neck and the ears. In dogs, a serious long-term prognosis may result in glomerular disease, which is a category of kidney damage that may cause chronic kidney disease. Dogs may also experience chronic joint disease if the disease is left untreated. However, in the majority of cases, Lyme disease in dogs results in complete recovery with, and sometimes without, treatment with antibiotics. In rare cases, Lyme disease can be fatal both humans and dogs. Not either and or, but very rare. Statistically, if you think humans are going to die and dogs are going to die, you can be unlucky, I suppose. Lyme disease can also infect deer. The winter tick, which has affected moose populations in the 21st century, is not a carrier of Lyme. So there you go. If you are a winter tick, and you can well imagine that, that working. Thanks a lot for listening about Lyme disease.
podcast, another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.